Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Brisnet.com PredictiveForm.com Preakness Preview Podcast. It's not another edition of the Preakness Preview. It's an edition of the Preakness Preview, but another edition of uh, our preview podcast. Uh, discussed the Derby. It seems like a while ago now, but Derby itself only uh, two weeks ago and our discussion of it less than a month ago. A lot of these names are uh, very familiar to those on the Triple Crown Trail. Of course, none more familiar than undefeated champion Nyquist. He asserted himself last year as champion two-year-old male with an emphatic Breeders' Cup juvenile victory and followed that up with three straight wins as a three-year-old, including the Kentucky Derby, as the two-to-one favorite. And I did think, uh, I was kind of surprised he was two to one. Uh, a lot of respect for his talent. Didn't end up picking him. Didn't like him at three to one. So certainly didn't like him at two to one. Uh, but I was surprised to see him take that kind of money. And quite frankly, a little surprised that uh, Exaggerator took the money he did. Uh, he was five to one is the second choice. So Interesting there, but uh, another race here. I'm very eager to hear if uh, Danny Zucker is on board uh, Nyquist. Uh, I would be shocked to hear him think he can't win. Uh, the question, of course, is what you do with him at 3-5, to five, which is his morning line. I think he'll probably be 4-5, to five, but I was wrong on his price in the Derby. So let's see what Danny thinks. Danny, happy Preakness week. Ed, how are you? We missed you last week or two weeks ago. Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, they got me uh, running ragged at Churchill, but it's good to be busy, I guess. People are interested in racing. This is the time of year to to hammer them. And uh, here we are at, at Pimlico with uh, what looks like another legitimate chance of sending a horse off to Belmont with the Triple Crown try. Yeah, it sure does. We, we were on Nyquist a couple of weeks ago as our top contender in the value play picks. And I append that on the site as well as the wall street journal. I, you know, I think the, we, we had a couple of long shots underneath them. Um, and the real, the only real question that I was concerned about as it pertains to Nyquist in the Kentucky Derby in a mile and a quarter was that, uh, uncle Mo on the top side being, um, the stallion and uncle Mo's father, Indian Charlie never bred a horse that went this long. So, uh, the one major issue that I saw potentially was a distance challenge, which uh, he proved he can handle. So I would think that cutting back to a mile and a, a three sixteenths, and the way this race is really shaping up from a from a pace perspective, and we can talk about that. Um, it it does look like a repeat of the uh, a repeat of the Derby, at least in my initial analysis. Although I'm not willing to say it's going to finish the way. The Derby did, you know, depending upon the way the speed sets up, and we'll talk about the two, four, two furlong and four furlong numbers of the race. Exaggerator might have a fighting chance, as uh, as well as maybe one or two long shots. All right, yeah, and uh, Exaggerator was my pick uh, in the Derby and and came up short, uh, but I mean, really, no no threat, honestly. Uh, five to one that day would be a little shorter, as will Nyquist and. Uh, in this one, uh, I guess the, the question, I mean, to me, from what we saw in the Derby, the, the top two were clearly the top two. 
Uh, I don't think much has changed in the last two weeks. Uh, you know, the Derby Exacta, I forget what it paid, but it was pretty light. Derby Trifecta was under 100 bucks for a dollar. Uh, you know, I, I really hate to advise passing uh, these big races because the pools are so big and you'd like to think there's opportunity. Uh, but to me, if, if you think Nyquist and Exaggerator are right there again, it's, it's kind of hard to figure out what you do from a wagering perspective. Uh, do you struggle with that as well going into this race? Ed, I do. I was uh, quoted, I was uh, interviewed by uh, Tim Sullivan, who writes for the Louisville, Cur- Louisville uh, Courier. And there's an article he wrote yesterday. But in a synopsis, I basically said that uh, – that in these types of races, I look to try to beat the favorite, and if I can't beat the favorite, I'll sit the race out. Now, the latter part of the quote was, if I can't beat the favorite, I'll look for a multi-race, multi-race uh, uh, tickets and sequences to try to put together a pick three or pick four, which I'm happy to talk about, and I do have some opinions. But in this case specifically, and I'll just make reference to Derby Day, uh, which was May 7th, the track was super, super fast from our pace figures. We rarely make adjustments. Actually, we don't. We tend not to make adjustments because adjustments made by handicappers to true numbers are oftentimes manual and they're gutted out. So, you know, we found that just sticking with the number is better overall than trying to change it around. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying if you change yeah. it around and you adjust it manually with variance, you're not going to take advantage of some opportunities. But in general, we've found and the statistics have shown that if you keep the number based on what the algorithm says, it's a truer number than moving it around. That being said, and I'll use two examples, last year's Preakness was very slow. As you recall, there was a torrential downpour, and the final figure that Farrow ran was like 73, 74. This year's Kentucky Derby was very fast. The two finishers finished right around 84. Half a dozen of the horses ran over 80. And on the day, seven of the 11 dirt races were run at 80 or above. So I really felt like Churchill had that track lightning fast, and our figures reflected that. So I'm not, I'm not making a point to adjust these figures downward, but I am keeping that in mind when I'm looking at Exaggerator and Nyquist figures and seeing them that much farther ahead of the field. It will come into play in a couple of the other races we talk about in this pick four sequence as well. Yeah, and that multi-race uh, wager is, is good to mention because that definitely was where the big money was on, on Derby Day. Nyquist capped, yeah. uh, capped a pick four that paid in the thousands and was part of uh, Lake pick four is the second leg or third leg, second, I think, mm-hmm. uh, that also paid uh, more than a 1000 for $0.50. Cents. So uh, definitely some, some opportunity there. Uh, you know, we've, we basically, Nyquist and Exaggerator, we've been talking about them since February. They're definitely the top two. Uh, what do you have for clever opinions, either in terms of uh, the, the bomb that wouldn't shock you if he won or the bomb you'd like to see maybe sneak in there underneath and, and beat one of those two for second or third? Sure, and, and after we get through this race, I wouldn't mind going through the pick four and see if we can't string together a sequence with either Nyquist or Exaggerator in the Preakness because those would be the two horses I would look for and, of course, rooting for Exaggerator to complete the pick four. However, if Nyquist does it, uh, I still want to get paid. So 
from a from a pace perspective, and again, I'm not a huge pace proponent, but in some races you can't ignore it. If you look at the if you go onto the value play picks, and we're going to have this posted here or after we get off the phone um, for free, furlong figures for abiding star fellowship Leoban have all been close to 80. These are all really fast horses. We know Nyquist is fast as well, but he's already shown some ability to sit off the pace. I think collected at Stradivaria are also fast, um, and while they might not have as strong a four furlong figures as the other two, their running style uh, clearly indicates they like forward progress. So you could be looking at a potential of three or four horses going to the lead, and I liked Leoban, if you recall, in the bluegrass. I thought he was going to outrun his odds, which he did. We know that Eric uh, Goliath is is not afraid to spot his horses. He's an Uncle Mo. He'll run as long as he can. There's going to be a significant pace up up front, which absolutely sets it up for a stalking-style run by Nyquist as well as a closing run from Exaggerator. So if, if I'm looking at the race and I'm saying, okay, well, those two like look like the most likely top two finishers. I really only see two other horses uh, that have a chance to upset. The first one is Cherry Wine. Unfortunately, Cherry Wine draws the rail. Uh, and, I, and I was going to ask you, the rail at Preakness, is there any uh, speed bias, any bias, positive or negative, against it? No, that's definitely not. Uh, you know, for some reason in these big races, the derby or the rail has become something that's fashionable to avoid uh but to me it's it's i'd rather be on the rail than far outside so right um you well, know at I'm, least in the I, I, can under, I can understand an argument that the middle gates are better uh but in terms of it being a detriment no way okay well if that's the case and you support that then i i i think cherry wine is the next best in here uh um, you know, he would be the one that I would look for an upset from. He would be uh, one that I would think would be able to close, not necessarily with Nyquist, but um, he's my third choice, is Cherry Wine. And the fourth choice would be a Fellowship, the horse that's ran, I think, you know, third or fourth to Mohamed and Nyquist, again, with that off-the-pace running style. What I do like about Fellowship, which may make him even more logical than um, – Cherry Wine as he moves Barnes from Stanley Gold to Marcassi, and that's a significant positive move, Ed. I mean, that's a huge, huge step forward in between um, Derby Day and now. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Fellowship outrun his, his odds. The rest of these with, with speed and stalking styles, uh, unless one of these horses gets, you know, like a Stradivaria or um, – Collected. I mean, unless somebody gets like this ideal trip, literally sitting fourth off the speed and gets a jump on Nyquist, I can't see anybody running with those two. That being said, it's always horse racing. There's always traffic and trouble. Hmm. Um, so, and that's why when we talk about a race like this, if you can't beat the favorite, I tend to stay away from it. I would not be playing this as an individual race. However, I will lock it into a pick four sequence. One uh, interesting uh, to me is of the horses you talked about, the, the two you didn't mention are, or two of the ones you didn't mention are some people's uh, alternatives to the top two, and that's Stradivari, who comes in for Todd Fletcher off an allowance win at Keeneland, and Collected, who comes in off uh, two straight stakes wins 
for Bob Baffert. So dealing with two of the top trainers in the game. Uh, Stradivarius, I'm definitely worried about the class hike, and I think the price might be a little light uh, given his experience yeah, and, and today. Stradivarius had ran, ran a double top his last out at Keeneland. So that means he progressed six, six uh, points in his final figure from 73 to 79 and six points in his four furlong figure from 67 to 73. So that's a huge forward step. And typically we see regression off a monster move like that, especially with a lightly loot race three-year-old. So, you know, I'm not impressed. It's impressive that the top trainers bring the horse in, but from a figure perspective, it looks like a one-run kind of a horse that's going to be regressing. Now, um, you know, if he throws in a lifetime top, blows through that 79, I, I would, it would not be the first time I would be wrong. And I know John Gunther, and, and uh, he's a really good guy and a very good horseman. Um, but in this case, it's, it's an aggressive spot to take a, a maiden one-time winner and move him in against the grade one company. Yeah, absolutely. And his third choice, uh, I'm definitely willing yep. to bait him, as I am the, the fourth choice. Uh, collected, you know, yeah. I've talked about how we've been discussing Nyquist and McDadgerator since February. Well, Collected's been on the scene as well. Uh, and to me, when I look at what he did not accomplish in Arkansas, and then he's basically beating second or even third stringers at Sunland. Uh, the Lexington right. was supposed to be swipes coming out party. Uh, that didn't materialize, but, you know, he beat a maiden who was runner-up. Uh, we saw, well, the maiden Trojan Nation who was runner-up to Outwork. Both of those ran poorly in the Derby. Uh, Collected's class to take him at 10-1 to 1 as the fourth choice. Uh, I'm I'm pretty dubious. Yeah, well, and, and if you take a look at the horse he ran, he beat in the uh, Sunland race. Uh, Gettysburg is running in the Sir Barton for 100K, which seems like a better spot for him uh, than maybe in here. But look, this is the Preakness. You win this race or you get black type. You cement yourself as a really possible stud candidate. And as, as a sire, you're, you're sires these days, uh, you know, as, a, as an example, uh, there's already whisper out that uh, Brody's cause is going to be syndicated for over $5 million. Now, Brody's cause, we know how he ran in the Derby. You need to hit get black type in a race like this, and he's a he's a grade three winner. If he gets some black type, that means he finishes first, second, or third in a graded stakes race, especially a grade one race, and he's already on his way towards being a stallion. Now, he's by City Zip, City Zip, and uh, his grandsire, which is Carson City, they are both sprinters. So, you know, I would look for a collected maybe to take a swing in this race, but as the summer comes around, he may be much better at a mile or, you know, a mile and a 16th than he might at this distance or even running in the Belmont. Now I wouldn't underestimate Leoban. I liked Leoban in the bluegrass. He ran his eyeballs out. <laughs> he's going to do the same thing in here and he's going to cause havoc for any of these horses that like the lead. One of the horses on the pace figures that's got a new pace top is abiding star. And in the value play picks, we have him as the third choice. However, he is Uncle Mo, and I do know Leo Ban is going to the lead. I see a, a potential speed duel between these two. So if you're going 22 and under 46 or 46 to the half, this is setting up for uh, horses coming from off the pace. And the last one I'm going to ask you about before we start working our way back and try to hook up a, a multi with the top two, which uh, was my strategy as well, even before talking to you, but now I'm even more bullish on it. Uh, but got to ask you about Lonnie. 
who comes in with a, a reversal, and I'm just curious if that's a function of we only have the one race in North America to go by or if there's anything to read into that uh, with him having a, a North American race under his belt now running back in two weeks with a reversal pattern. Correct. Yeah, that reversal, I mean, it's a, it's a reversal, and it's the first time he ran a reversal. However, there's no races prior to it. And if you're going to, you know, if you're going to, let's say, back off that 84 number a little bit in your mind, that 79 maybe doesn't look like a 79, but looks like a 77. I wasn't overly excited about him coming into the race, and there, there's not a lot in here that tells me he he could do the same kind of a thing. Um yeah, I, I mean, he's probably going to be a – he's definitely going to be a pass for me. I don't see him beating the top two. And, you know, again, there's two others that I'd like to hit the board on top of him. Right. All right. Uh, well, any other parting shots on the Preakness? Uh, you know, type of race, uh, sometimes you can spend an hour on it. But, I mean, yep. as I said, I'm pretty comfortable with uh, – I think we saw the top two It. it Yep. Churchill, and I haven't seen anything in the last two weeks to make me think it's going to be different at Pimlico. Yep, I wouldn't disagree with you. And, you know, as I mentioned, the, the, the horse that I thought might be able to step forward off his last race would be Cherry Wine off that new pace top, and I did like him avoiding the uh, the derby while he, he didn't get in point-wise. And another outside shot would be Fellowship, who goes to Mark Cassie and has run third or fourth to uh, a Nyquist and Mohamed. So I think he's probably got a fighter's punter's chance to hit the board. But, um, yeah, let's move on. All right. Well, the uh, race before the Preakness uh, drew extremely well. Uh, that's the Dixie and going back a long way now, 12 years. But uh, back in 2004, uh, one of my best hits was on Mr. O'Brien uh, in the Dixie. I think he paid $30. But more importantly, he was part of a – a signer pick four with Smarty Jones as the odds-on favorite. So maybe we can mine uh, mine a, a big winner, if not in the Dixie, somewhere else in this sequence to hook up with the, the favorites in the Preakness. Uh, what do you make of this turf affair? Yeah, it, it's, a, um, it's a pretty loaded race. You know, um, there's a lot of options here. I mean, you have Grand Arch, who ran in the Breeders' Cup mile, ran third and comes back. He's probably going to get a lot of action. I uh, I've always never been a big buyer off a long layoff like that first out against this kind of company. I think you have three horses like Ring Weekend, uh, one the Kilrow. He's a really talented horse, ran in the Preakness, but again, coming off over a year layoff, the question is whether or not he can be at this at this competitive level. Um, I hope he runs well for Terry Finley in West Point. El Kabir, whose family has never tried the turf, or is like 0 for 8, We'll probably get a lot more money than this 20 to 1. I really don't like him. Um, and then a couple outside, you know, I'm not tremendously fond of either. So to me, the, the, the couple horses that I'm keying in on are the three inside horses, to tell you the truth, or, or the, the, the four inside horses. I like long on value. If you look at the pace figures, the reason I like long on value is he tends to run this, you know, forward move regression, forward move regression. But his regression numbers are getting bigger, and his forward move numbers are getting bigger. And um, you know, he ran in, he ran in the Dixie last year. He ran a competitive fourth from the 11 hole. Didn't get um, you know has come back into the race just about as well as he came into the race before. And I think with a little racing luck and the inside post versus the outside post, and we know Florent Drew is a good jockey. 
I think he's got a punter's chance at 12 to 1. Um, the horse just to the outside of him, Za approval. It's made a million, you know, $1.4 million. And he's just a horse, I think, more than anything for me, Ed. It's, uh, this is one of those nostalgic picks. <laughs> I can't really point to anything necessarily from a figure perspective because I knocked the time off. But I do like, um, you know, I have some history with Za approval. But the real horse, I think, in here that's the one to keep an eye on and probably the one I'll use most seriously is going to be Takeover Target. Trained by Chad Brown, you just look at the pace figures of this horse, all very established at 74 to 76. And, you know, he's, he's run one in graded stakes company. He's sitting on a big, big race. And I know Chad really well in terms of his running style. He pairs up races. So he looks at races in a pair. He ran in the $100,000 overnight at Aqueduct only to the extent to give him horse a race coming into this race. I believe this was his target race, and he's going to be all out prime shape, and I, I give the nod to take over target. Yeah, I, I tend to agree from a top pick standpoint. Long on value was another one I was uh, interested in, so glad to hear you mention those two. Uh, I have to say with, with Chad as well, uh, I've gone three out of four in pick fours the last two weeks, including that $5,000 one with Nyquist. And both both my misses were, were won by Chad Brown in turf races, which is really, I mean, it's unforgivable, really. So definitely not looking to make that mistake again uh, with the Preakness. So t- takeover target's going to figure pretty, pretty heavily for me, for sure. Yeah, right. if you look at the value plays and you do a sort, our top contender in the value play picks is Captain Dixie. Captain Dixie is 20 to 1, and he draws a three hole, so he might be worth using. But beyond that, uh, yeah, I would be I be, would be focusing on the top four horses from the inside. And the other so we, thing, uh, certainly worth mentioning now, uh, about 48 hours out, is rain is expected. <laughs> is expected. Uh, I think the, the stakes will stay on the turf. That's not an issue, but. Uh, Soft ground, yielding ground for sure, uh, something to, to think about when handicapping these races. Uh, the, the race before is the Sir Barton. Uh, you mentioned Gettysburg shows up in there, uh, as does Dazzling Gem. Uh, another two sort of not ready for prime time. Earlier, right. Dazzling Gem couldn't get into the Derby. Gettysburg may have tried to get into the Derby with a, a Lexington win uh, that didn't happen. Uh, or wherever he was after the Sunland race, I forget. But uh, he does show up here, and I know he he looks good on our numbers and yours. Uh, question will be value. Uh, who are you using in the Sir Barton? Well, remember, or, or if you recall, I like Dazzling Gem going into the Kentucky Derby. He didn't draw in. Uh, he's got that new pace top. He... Uh, I do like the fact, again, that he avoided, whether on purpose or by accident, Kentucky Derby Day. And while um, American Freedom didn't, you know, and American Freedom, well, he really disappointed. He went off at, you know, almost uh, even money, three to two, and he just didn't run back to his number. I do like two horses in here. I'm not going to try to get real fancy. I I like uh, Dazzling Gem, who was my top pick in the Derby, uh, but he didn't get in. And I think that new pace top uh, is a really positive. He's got three new pace tops in a row and a compression line. 
So the horse has four positive patterns in four races lifetime. Again, he would have had the, what's the curse called, Ed, where a horse doesn't run at two and then runs in the derby? Um, Apollo. Yeah, you're always, so he had the Apollo curse. And luckily, his owners, I don't know whether that was the reason why they avoided it or they didn't get enough, but I like this spot a lot. I, I, Brad, Brad Cox is a, is a really good trainer. I mean, he might not, he doesn't always get the graded stakes type quality horses, but I think, I think that Dazzling Gem is going to run his race, and I do like the move to, to Saez. The other horse that I give a shot in here is going to be um, Gettysburg, who I mentioned earlier, coming out of the Arkansas Derby. Another one that ran a new pace top um, and has a decent line. The one new pace top he ran, he moved forward five points. He does draw the 14, which is a big negative. He gets Johnny V. But in races like this where there are 14 horses um, and you're not going to spread, again, if, if you spread real deep in this race, we're going to wind up having a ticket that's going to be $100 for 50 cents. So I'm going to go ahead and just step back and take two horses and, and use just two horses in the race, Gettysburg and Dazzling Gem. I like it. Uh, yeah, Dazzling Gem was the horse. Uh, I was sort of glad he didn't get in the derby because I would have had a hard time deciding how much to use him at a huge price, right. knowing I don't like the unraised two-year-olds. But feeling like maybe he could have been a horse to sneak into the exotics. And the way the track played, that that probably wouldn't have came to fruition. Uh, mm-hmm. But... Uh, this seems to be a, a good spot, and I, I do. I think is have a lot of respect for his talent. The way Gunrunner ran uh, the Louisiana Derby form, uh, you know, Mo Tom didn't flatter it per se, or Tom's ready by any means, but right. Gunrunner ran well enough to to think that there's something there too. So, uh, yeah, Dazzling Gem uh, definitely be on my tickets, uh, and that brings uh-huh. us to the Gallaret. Uh, which reminds me, the one other point I wanted to make on the Dixie, uh, you know, we talk about Ring Weekend, who is a grade one winner, certainly respect his talent and his trainer, Grand Motion, is going to be no stranger uh, to the Mid-Atlantic betters. Uh, but he had shared account uh, come off uh, layoffs to run in the Galleret, and I believe she was favored both times, uh, and she couldn't get the job done. So, you know, as great as, as Motion is, and maybe not the type you'd want to let beat you at a big price, uh, he's running these turf races before off layoffs with really good horses and does seem to, to treat them as, as sort of the needs one before they get up to the big prizes at Belmont and Saratoga. So something to keep in mind with, with Ring Weekend and others. Uh, but uh, the Gallaret does kick off this pick four. Competitive field for sure. Uh, who you got? Yeah, so the, the Gallaret was one that I was – considering or am considering spreading just a little bit deeper on because we're at this point we're two by four by two so we're at you know uh, eight combinations so far i think i can afford to go probably four or five deep here and get myself for 50 cents to a 20 dollar ticket or you know even use a couple more um and there's nothing like spreading the first leg ed right <laughs> i go back and forth between yeah. whether i want to spread the nice first leg live. or the second leg What's that? Live to be live, right? Live to be live, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm talking about this track from my perspective and what I've looked at, and I haven't taken into consideration the possibility that it could be an off-surface, Ed. Um, 
which I might have to go back and spend a little bit more time. I didn't realize that, although I should because our weather guy texted me. He's like, dude, the weather's going to be pretty bad. Uh, but there are two, there are really probably three or four horses in here that I'm, I, I think are going to be worth um, investing in from from my perspective. Um, I do like Monster Sleeping from the rail. I think the rail position is a strong position. Um, and he's, you know, he ran, he's run good numbers. He's run 70s. I, I didn't think much of prize piece. Uh, I'll just take you Tiger Ride. Um, he's got a delayed pace top, which is a new pace top uh, that goes right into turf. A horse like this looks to me more of a dirt horse than a turf horse. So horses that run, it's like a new pace top. A delayed pace top is a new pace top. However, the next race is on turf. So you're waiting for a delayed pace top horse to come back to dirt. I think that's going to be a better spot for Tiger Ride than it is going to be going on turf. Um, and he'll be a big favorite. So that's a, that's a good consideration. I think uh, Camille Claudia, Claudel, who's got a soft pattern ed um, and gets on turf for the first time. I haven't done much looking into the value. I wasn't crazy about old-fashioned gal. Um, Programs hopping around. Hang on a second. Flying Tappet. So I stopped at Flying Tappet because of this Pace Low. And Pace Lows won a couple big races on Derby Day. And basically, it means um, a horse runs its slowest four furlong figure lifetime. And it's it's like a free square, Ed, because you if, if the final figure doesn't match up to be competitive, you put a line through it. And if the final figure does match up to be competitive you got to take a good hard look at a possible wager on the horse and in this case that pace low of 70 is slower than these but his race before that was 77 on Gulfstream, and 77 is going to win this race so i think flying tap it makes a little bit of sense to me well and you- uh one thing that's interesting to me uh i don't know depending on what pps people are looking at now the jockeys are probably already all in there uh but you know when when the overnight came out, there were several that had no rider listed. Flying uh, Tippett, not one of them. Corey Lannery, who does not have a Preakness mount, uh, has this one. And to me, that's a huge uh, vote of confidence out of the Romans barn that they made sure yep. to get the local jock uh, at Baltimore. So, uh, yep. yeah, w- with you there at that price for sure. No, I, f- I found uh, – uh, Joe's DeSanimo, the horse to the outside, the eight horse, an interesting horse to the extent that he goes from Chad Brown to Mark Cassie. And, um, well, they make that indication as of April 9th. He's got some history there. He's run a couple good races, but I can't back anybody that goes out of Chad's barn on the grass. And as a morning line favorite, <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good sign for us. I mean, yeah, I don't. Uh, I was just going to say, I need to do some research on Palm Beach racing and and why that change may have happened. But yeah, uh, yeah I'm sort of with you for sure. And Miss Money makes a lot logical sense for us here. Uh, she's run real the two fast races. The last two races have been uh, both the fastest races against the other two uh, the others in the field. So Miss Money looks like a play. Um, you know, and then and then from there, maybe take a look at what the pace figures and value play picks are doing. But um, I think it's a spread race, the Gallaret. Uh, you know, then we talked about 
really two horses in the Sir Barton, Gettysburg and Dazzling Gem. We talked about four horses in the Dixie, which were the four rail horses, and then, of course, Nyquist and Exaggerator in the big race. I like it. Uh, one thing I'm going to try to do uh, is uh, – even even with the Gallarette being a spread, which, which I agree with, I will try to probably narrow it down to to two or three from an A standpoint. Uh, one one way I like to structure tickets on big days to to have some fun and you know gives you a shot if you're really wrong in a race. But you can go two by two by two in three of the legs, uh, which is eight combos, and then even in the bigger races if you use all. Uh, it's basically $48 a ticket, and then you, you juggle it for all four, uh, get you to about 150 to $200 total spend. I uh, usually split it with a friend and just gives you a, a little thrill if you get an inexplicable bomb. I mean, it's total gambling, but on the big days, uh, I find that the money is concentrated on the lower end, and if, if you get the huge inexplicable uh, upset, which could happen with the weather, uh, that gives you a, a chance at a nice payout. And then if you're completely right, you hit it for 2 bucks anyway, so there's that benefit. Uh, and you can sort of zero in on your A's and B's and, and hit it for even more. So if you have a bigger budget, uh, that's one fun way I like to structure tickets. But it sounds like uh, with, you know, $50 in mind, uh, your, your ticket uh, could be pretty good. And, look, if you get Exaggerator home, I expect the, the payout will be – three times what it'll be on Nyquist. Yeah, for sure. Would you agree with that? I I would. I would. And I would also say that in that first leg where, you know, we zip through it in the Gallaret, maybe I highlighted two or three, you can go five deep. So if you go, I mean, a ticket, if, if logically we're trying to give people a way to get alive with 50 bucks or under, if we have eight combinations in the last three legs, you know, to Ed's point, you can go six deep and still keep your ticket under $25 for 50 cents. Uh, I, I tend to, I'm not a big spread player really in these pick fours that I tend to zero in and try to hit, you know, try to hit something a, a couple times. So um, I've, I've just gotten, you know, over the years, I think I've learned that uh, I have to have confidence in my, in my projections and my picks uh, because otherwise I wind up literally rooting for horses I think have no shot, and um, I'm too cerebral to do that, whether it be right or wrong. You know yeah, what that, I mean? that's one thing. I've, yeah, no, I've noticed that too. Uh, you know, in my wagering, you you get to the money leg, and you know you're you're you feel stuck because it's like, well, the horse I like the most, uh, and sometimes uh, you know, I'm not afraid to admit this. Hopefully, it makes us all better, but the horse you like the most is your lowest payoff and you know that's unacceptable um so yeah ticket ticket structure is important uh and you know i did say i like to gamble and it is fun when you you know you're wrong so to speak um which happens enough that i'm willing it's to gamble fun on it when you're wrong if you're right yeah, but that's the thing. When you are right, you got to make sure you, you get paid. And if your strongest opinion yeah. is Nyquist and Exaggerator are winning the Preakness between the two of them, then right. play accordingly. So, uh, and back to that, uh, just one as we wrap 
put a bow on this. Uh, are you going to look anything vertically, or will it just be a matter of, you know, if Cherry Wine's 30 to 1, you, you might put a little on him, or are you going to key him underneath? What, what's the Preakness plan, or what do you think it might be the plan? No, I mean, I'm definitely going to sit the race out, you know, like I said, uh, if I can't beat the favorite, um, you know, I tend to take the race off. I, You know, I think from a player perspective, if people wanted ways to go, you could, you know, hook Exaggerator and Nyquist up with Cherry Wine and the other horse I mentioned for third and fourth, maybe Cherry Wine underneath those if he sneaks in. Um, but, yeah, it's not a... It's not really a, a big betting race for me. The Preakness has always been a difficult one, and I even looked at the Black-Eyed Susan and and you know the uh, uh, two horses that ran second and third or first and second, whatever in the um, on Derby Day or uh, what's it called the uh, the yeah. Oaks are the are the two big favorites in that race, and you know they, the figures on both of those horses are five or six points faster than anybody else. So even the Black-Eyed Susan just on paper from a figure perspective looks very chalky as well. I mean, I, I read on your site, Ed, I went through and I looked at all the, uh, you know, you guys have a lot of uh, a variety of different kinds of handicappers and prognosticators and uh, everybody has their day, but there was one u- ubiquitous choice amongst all of them. And that was that land overseas is going to win the Kentucky Oaks, which is hard, you know, which is hard to knock. And the two to one morning line, you're probably looking at, you know, three to two. What are you going to do? Uh, play play a, a land overseed at Nyquist, um, Black Eyed Susan, Pimlico Daily Double, and get a uh, what eleven dollars return? I don't think so. Well, and uh, Jay Paul Redham likes to bet uh, his own horses. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, there's a, a huge straight number land overseed with Nyquist. Uh, so, like yeah, six dollars that, or something. Yeah, yeah, I'm thinking six. Uh, but I mean, I, I do think, you know, similar to the Preakness, I do think those, those are the two, I would even lean more toward land over sea, uh, which, you know, doesn't help you from a Preakness double standpoint, unless you like what you see with exaggerator. Uh, but you know, there's, there's some pick fours on, on, on Friday as well. So, uh, she'll definitely figure pretty prominently as a single for me, but, um, I'm in the other camp actually Oh, you like Go Maggie Go better? I do. Yep. I do. All right. I just the horse has a reversal. There's a couple horses in there that have a new pace top. When we're done here off the phone, I'm going to go ahead and post the pace figures and value plays so everybody can check it out. Uh, but I look forward to catching up with you next week and maybe get back on track. Yeah, we need to. Uh, very encouraged by the Derby numbers. Want to thank everyone who, who tuned in or downloaded uh, our, our record podcast for audience. Uh, so glad to. Hopefully, people were able to to put it to good use. Maybe that's why Nyquist was two to one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. That and he's undefeated, made three million dollars, and you know, hasn't hasn't had a bad race yet. Right. Well, I don't expect to see it Saturday, but that's why they run. Are you taking? Let me question. Uh, Got a question? For yeah. You. Right. Right now, are you taking plus one fifty to win the Triple Crown? No. No. I would lay. You would lay. Yeah. But for sure yeah, but Belmont. Uh, 
I mean, the Preakness, I, I do think it's him or Exaggerator. The the Belmont, uh, you know, it's fresh in people's minds. We had a winner last year, and, and maybe Nyquist is at that level. But, I mean, I didn't play him at 2-1 at to one in the Derby. I'm not going to play him at 3-2 to two to win the next two. Uh-huh. Yep. I would agree. Okay, my All right, well, we'll definitely be uh, – either way, we'll talk about it next week, and uh, we'll have Memorial Day races, uh, hopefully some, some good stuff to look at there, and it'll be Belmont Day before we know it. But first things first, the Preakness. Hope everyone enjoys, and good luck at the windows. All right, Ed, take care. Yep, see you, Danny.